0: Hi and welcome to Keynes Five Under Five for July 2023. Let's go. Our first two stories are about the SEC. They're acting like they're kind of frustrated lately, so let's talk about how that's playing out. In our first story, the CISO of SolarWinds received a Wells Notice from the SEC. You'll be forgiven if you've never heard of what a Wells Notice is. A Wells Notice is typically received by individuals or entities who are the subject of an investigation by the SEC, and the recipients of a Wells Notice are typically those who the SEC staff believes may have violated securities laws. Now, a Wells Notice doesn't mean that the people receiving it are guilty or that it's a guaranteed enforcement action, but it is a formal step when the SEC is thinking about an enforcement action and it gives the recipients the ability to respond. So the interesting part about all this is that companies aren't obligated to mention that they've received a Wells notice, particularly if they've settled, and the SEC doesn't need to disclose it either. This means we don't know if other CISOs have received a Wells notice before. What we do know is that this means the SEC is considering additional actions against solar winds, possibly the CISO, and so this is yet another bit of potential civil liability that CISOs may need to consider. Have I mentioned that not everyone should plan on being a CISO when they grow up? Our second story is also about the SEC, who unveiled proposed regulations in March of 2022 about disclosures. It's totally unclear what the penalty for not doing a full disclosure will be unless an institutional investor gets anxious and drops a company that has a less than complete disclosure. Here's the thing, though. Typically, when the SEC proposes a rule, they have a public comment period. They get the comments, they respond to them, and then they release the rule. That didn't happen here. They did a whole second comment period, which also closed in 2022. Right now, it looks like the SEC rule will take effect in October 2023. The reason this matters is that that's when many companies are going to be getting their disclosures ready, and so companies might be a little shorthanded to take on a new regulatory requirement to disclose additional materials when there's not a lot of precedent on what normal looks like. This means that companies that haven't consolidated and automated the collection and testing of the evidence of their cybersecurity controls are going to have a particularly hard time of disclosures. Our Third story, pivoting to yet another regulatory matter, is the FTC's Safeguards Rule, which took effect on June 9, 2023. Here's your rule of thumb to figure out if you're affected. First, does your company maintain information on more than 5,000 customers? If that's true which probably is if you're watching this, does your company provide some kind of financial services? For example, if you do real estate assessments or appraisals or you match buyers and sellers or you sell vehicles or sell insurance and that's just a partial list, then yeah, this means you. Now, in theory, if you have a really strict data disposition procedures and policies in place, so you'll never have more than the data of 5,000 customers on hand at any time, then the impact is less. Otherwise, make sure you're compliant now. I'll be watching for upcoming enforcement actions. Our fourth story is about some sour grapes out of the CISO at the BBC, Helen Robb, who was speaking on a panel at InfoSec Europe recently. She specifically said that, I find more often than not that the big certifications are executed to please the regulatory owner, and they are time-consuming and often cumbersome to maintain. Oh, and the government tends to like them. Here's how I see it. Your options are either to follow a cybersecurity framework and get a certification, or, not. The business case for a certification is because it gives you additional market share like being able to sell to the government or reduced insurance premium or the ability to get an affirmative tort defense in states with a cyber safe harbor law. No one does cybersecurity certifications because they're easy. We do them because they're necessary and often because there's no good alternative. Our fifth and final story is about the Peltzman Effect, otherwise known as risk compensation, which was first observed in automobiles but has been seen in numerous other forms. In essence, people are willing to do riskier things if they think they're more protected, like speeding because they're wearing a seatbelt. According to the Farmer School of Business at Miami University, Turns out that employees that work in an office tend to think that their company is doing more cybersecurity defense and so they're more likely to take risks like clicking on dodgy links or sharing data that shouldn't be than those who work from home. I'll admit some personal bias here, in that Hyperproof's a remote-only company, but a lot of firms had to be remote-only for a couple of recent years. If there are some technical controls in place for remote workers, the study shows that they can take personal responsibility and act safer than their in-office counterparts. This won't solve the whole question that businesses are struggling with about return to office, but hey, one of the benefits of working from the office now could be that employees could attend the mandatory cybersecurity training in person. Because that's a selling point, right? That's all for this month. Thanks for watching. Please like and subscribe to never miss any updates.